Sasha. Great job. Great job. I'd say I love this time of year and there are so many things that help us get kind of set in uh, the, the festive spirit. Things like music really goes a long way. And so, you know, worship this morning and maybe you got to enjoy the, the jazz band that we had down uh, in the children's ministry area as you came in, the, the performance here. And then worship today. Uh, the, there's so many things that come together to make this such a great time of year, the Christmas lights, the Christmas trees, all the festivities, the family gatherings, all of that. Uh, but there is one thing that can change it in an instant, that can bring you from feeling all of this Christmas joy and Christmas spirit to just feeling like a Grinch. And that is when your least favorite Christmas song comes on the radio or someone starts playing it and you can't get away from it. And it's what's even worse is if your least favorite Christmas song happens to be like everyone else's favorite Christmas song because you hear it over and over and over and over. Raise your hand if you have a least favorite Christmas song. Like it comes to mind. All right. What, what I want you to do, a little crowd participation, uh, turn to the person next to you and tell them what your least favorite Christmas song is and then we'll, then we'll keep going. All right, well, hey, let's, uh, let's check out this video to see if your least favorite Christmas song happens to be someone else's least favorite Christmas song. And from the little murmurings that I heard, I think a couple of them are gonna show up. Let's check out this video. It is so much my least favorite, I can't remember the name of it. It's something about a bad Santa or something like that. I, I can't remember it. I, I dislike it that much. <laughs> Jingle bells. Jingle Bell Rock. Oh, I don't like the bells. Don't like the carol of the bells. Uh -uh. All time, hated song, wonderful Christmas time, Paul McCartney. Please, Navidad. Baby, it's cold outside. Baby, it's cold outside. I saw Mommy kissing Santa Claus. I think it's a stupid song. I want a hippopotamus for Christmas. Twelve days of Christmas. I really don't like that song. Well, I hate to even say this, but my least favorite Christmas song is Mary Did You Know. Probably Silent Night, since that's the parents' favorite. All I want for Christmas is you. Who's that by? Mariah Carey. Probably Jingle Bells, because of the amount of times we hear it in our house. It's like a song about, do they even know it's Christmas in Africa? And it just kind of seems kind of like sad. Like, I don't know, I don't, I don't get the jam. That sad one about the Christmas shoes or something like that is terrible. Probably the one with the shoes, okay. the, the Christmas shoes, yeah. Christmas shoes. Mama, ¿dónde están mis juguetes? Because it's a little depressing. Grandma got ran over by a reindeer. Grandma got ran over by a reindeer. Grandma got ran over by a reindeer. <laughs> Grandma got ran over by a reindeer. What is your least favorite Christmas song? I don't think I've ever met a Christmas song I didn't like, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Okay, so raise your hand if someone's least favorite Christmas song that was mentioned on there is also your least favorite Christmas song. All right, all right, I see a couple of hands. Raise your hand if your favorite Christmas song was mentioned as someone's least favorite Christmas song. All right, some hands up there and you've probably heard and you're like, what in the world is wrong with that person? That is the best song ever. Well, you know, when we think about the Christmas season, uh, most of the times we think about it being the most wonderful time of, of year. And it, and it really can be. Uh, but but we also know from life experience and maybe walking alongside of some friends and family 
that this can also be a very difficult time of year for for people. And Christmas can be tough. Uh, This season can be a reminder of people who have passed. People that we would do almost anything to be able to spend one more Christmas morning with, one more Christmas Eve gathering with the family, opening up presents and sharing memories. Christmas can be a painful time where it magnifies the sense of loss that we've experienced. This season has a way of shining a spotlight on unresolved family tension. Those things that oftentimes kind of rest beneath the surface and you don't have to think about it or feel it too much, but then the holidays come around and it just, it just shines a spotlight on it. And you realize the pain that exists in your family. Maybe in you. This way has a, the season has a way of, of reminding us of the painful consequences of our past decisions or past decisions that others have made. And for some people, the, the pain of this season centers around the word rejection. When they think about this time of year, the word rejection kind of summarizes the main feeling that you have. Maybe you feel rejected by someone in your family and you wonder where you belong. Like you received the, the invitation, but you, but you wonder, am I really welcome there? What's it going to be like? What's the, the feel in the room going to be like when I walk through the door? Maybe you've recently gone through a divorce and you're wondering what the holidays are going to look like for you. Or maybe there's someone in your family that you have gotten into it with and, and it hasn't been resolved and there's tension that's there and, and you've rejected them. You're the one who closed the door and you're feeling guilty about it. And maybe you did it for, because you needed to set up some healthy boundaries for you or for your family, but that doesn't take away the pain. It still hurts and you think about that person around the holidays. If you think about it, feelings of rejection and pain are just as much a part of this ceiling, season as, as feeling merry and bright. They always have been. I find it interesting. We were talking about this in our teaching team meeting about a month ago, and we were talking about this week. Just how much rejection shows up in the Christmas story and in the life of Jesus. You think about it. Joseph almost rejected Mary as his wife because of the baby that was growing inside of her. On the night Jesus was born, they were rejected from the inn. Shepherds who were watching over the flock at night, they were oftentimes rejected by their community, and yet, and yet they were the first ones that the birth announcement made it to, and they went and they worshipped the newborn king in Bethlehem. After his birth, Mary and Joseph took Jesus and fled to Egypt as refugees because King Herod had rejected this child as the true king. And that's just within the, the, the few months surrounding Jesus' birth. It doesn't get any easier through the rest of his life. We saw last week that Jesus was rejected by people in his hometown, those that he had grown up with, lived with, rejected him. He was rejected by some in his own family. He was rejected by others because of his family or because of where he grew up. After miraculously feeding a large crowd, they rejected Jesus when when they ran out of food. They turned and they walked away. And And the sting of that rejection from this large group 
led Jesus to turn to his disciples and say, are you going to leave me too? Rejection is all over the life of Jesus. He was rejected for the things that he taught, the miracles that he performed, the people that he hung out with. Ultimately, Jesus was rejected by his closest friends in the time when he needed them the most and was even rejected for a moment by the Father as he hung on the cross bearing the weight of our sin. Rejection was a part of Jesus' life. And it's a part of our life too. The truth is, at some point, we either have been or will be rejected. Maybe a job that we didn't get that we really wanted, a promotion, a date, we got the door shut on us. Rejection is a part of our life. And for some, that rejection hurts, but we're able to kind of move past it, recover from it, and move on. But maybe for you, rejection has left such a deep wound within you that it has become a defining characteristic of you. It is something that you carry around with you wherever you go, and it almost becomes the, the, the thing that you identify yourself as the most, someone who has been hurt and rejected by others. It's all you've ever known, and and that's the story of the, the guy that we're going to be looking at today. If you have a Bible or Bible app that you like to use, turn with me to Acts chapter 3. Acts chapter 3. And before we get into this guy's story, I want to kind of put us in his shoes, not his Christmas shoes, because obviously that song was rejected by some, uh, but just in his, in his shoes, try to, try to help us understand what life was, was like for this guy. He's in his early, mid-40s, and all he's ever known in life is rejection. He was born into it all of his life. He's, he's been unable to stand or walk. He, he couldn't care for himself. He's relied on, on other people to, to even move him around. When he became an adult, his parents abandoned him. They left him on his own, and now he spends his life as an outcast and a beggar who lives on the street trusting and hoping for the kindness of strangers to be able to make it through the day. But mostly he's rejected and ignored by people who just pass him by. Interestingly enough, people who pass him by as they're on their way to worship. <laughs> but all that's about to change. Acts 3, verse 1. We're, it's kind of a long text, but we're going we're gonna to dive and kind of pick it apart here. It says, one day Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer at three in the afternoon. Now a man who was lame from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. Peter looked straight at him, as did John. Then Peter said, look at us. And so the man gave him, them his attention, expecting to get something from them. Then Peter said, silver or gold I do not have, but what I do have I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Taking him by the right hand, he helped him up, and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet and began to walk. Then he went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. When all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him as the same man who used to sit begging at the temple gate called Beautiful and they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. 
Imagine living your entire life as this rejected beggar on the street, as social outcast looked over by everyone. In one minute, you are lying there on the ground, hoping that someone gives you enough just so that you can eat that day. And then the next minute, you are completely and totally healed by the powerful name of Jesus. Your ankles that were once weak and thin were now strong and sturdy. And you jump up to your feet and start praising God, start dancing And this man joins Peter and John and he walks and he dances and he praises God going into the temple, maybe even for the very first time in his life, going into the temple that he had only been able to sit outside of. And the crowd is absolutely amazed. They've seen this man over and over and over. They've recognized him. And they gather around and Peter takes the opportunity to share with this crowd a message. And it's a message about rejection. Pick it up in verse 12. Peter says, fellow Israelites, why does this surprise you? Why do you stare at us as if by our own power and godliness we made this man walk? The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our fathers, has glorified his servant, Jesus. You handed him over to be killed, and you disowned him before Pilate, though he had decided to let him go. You disowned the holy and righteous one, and asked that a murderer be released to you. You killed the author of life, but God raised him from the dead. We are witnesses of this. And by faith in the name of Jesus, this man whom you see and know was made strong. It is Jesus' name and the faith that comes through him that has completely healed him, as you can see. And Peter reminds them about how they had rejected Jesus, how they had been a part of his crucifixion. But he says that even though Jesus was rejected and crucified, God raised him back to life, and now there is hope and forgiveness for us, and the people are are cut to the heart. And, And Peter says in verse 19, repent then and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out, that times of refreshing may come from the Lord, and that's what the people do. Many of them turn to the Lord, and it says that the church grew from about 3,000 to 5,000 that day, and it all started because of a man who had been rejected from birth, finding new life through Jesus. But one of the things that I've found about rejection is that oftentimes the people who do the rejecting and hold the power don't like to see when others find the dignity that they deserve. They want to keep them in that place. And even in this account, the religious leaders are watching all of this unfold with a suspicious eye. Look at chapter 4. The priests and the captain of the temple guard and the Sadducees came up to Peter and John while they were speaking to the people. They were greatly disturbed because the apostles were teaching the people, proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection of the dead. They seized Peter and John, and because it was evening, they put them in jail until the next day. And so the next day arrives, and all these religious bigwigs and leaders arrive and get together. Verse 7 says, they had Peter and John brought before them and began to question them. By what power or what name did you do this? And then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers and elders of the people, if we are being called to account today for an act of kindness shown to a man who is lame and are being asked how he was healed, then know this, 
you and all the people of Israel. It is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you healed. And here it is. Jesus is the stone you builders rejected, which has become the cornerstone. That's our core verse for the week. We find it here. We find it in multiple places in the New Testament. Every single time it refers to Jesus. And it's pulled from Psalm 118. It's this beautiful song that people would sing as they would walk up the hill, as they would ascend up the hill to worship God in the temple. It's a song that celebrates the way that God takes the the rejection and, and turns it into renewal. It's a celebration of the Lord's presence and power, especially to those who feel lost and alone. It is a song of hope that even in rejection, there is renewal. This is what the verse says. It says, the stone that the builders rejected has now become the cornerstone. And this is the Lord's doing. It is wonderful to see. This is the day the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. And Peter makes clear here and in other places in his first epistle, his first letter, that this text in Psalms is talking about Jesus. He is the stone that was rejected. But God took the humiliation and the rejection of Jesus on the cross and redeemed it. He turned his rejection into the cornerstone of our faith through the resurrection that's now the foundation of our salvation. That Jesus was rejected, crucified, and buried, but now the tomb is empty and he is alive. And this is good news for us because because not only can we be forgiven when we put our faith in what Jesus did for us, but it's good news for us because Jesus can identify with us. We benefit from this. And the first way and reason is because Jesus can empathize with us. Jesus knows what it is like to walk through difficult times, to feel rejected. And so he's able to come alongside of us and give us exactly what we need in that moment. He is with us and he promises to be near the downcast and the brokenhearted. I read last week that there are uh, two times each year when there is a um, spike in dating couples breaking up. Two two times. And And it's so prominent Uh, And it happens so often at these two times every year that sociologists have actually given them names. Uh, The the first time uh, happens around the beginning of March, and it's called the the spring clean. Uh, It always happens around two weeks after Valentine's Day. Not quite sure where the correlation is there. (laughs) I may have spent a romantic evening with someone going, "Mm, no, I don't think this is it. I don't think this is it. We need to split. Uh, So that's the first one, the, the, the spring clean. Uh, And then the second one, we're actually in the heart of right now. In the days following Thanksgiving, there is a spike in dating couples breaking up, and it's called the turkey drop. (laughs) I don't know if they just spend time with the other person's family, and they're like, nope, can't do it. I need to get away from this. Uh, Can't can't happen. And and I need to do it now before Christmas gets here and we have to go through all of this again. (laughs) Uh, In fact, the the, the article went on and it said that there is the, the most socially acceptable time 
to break up with someone after Thanksgiving and before Christmas, if you're going to do it, the last day that it is socially acceptable to do it is on December 6th. I don't know how they determined that, but that's the date that the higher powers have set. December 6th is the last time it's socially acceptable to break up with someone before Christmas. This is just a friendly reminder. If you're dating someone, it's not working out. Today is December 5th. You're, you're on the clock. It's ticking. <laughs> Uh, if you're married, listen, <laughs> it's a different story for you. I, the, after the eight o'clock service, there was a, a couple that was walking out and he goes, Sean, if she leaves me tomorrow, I'm coming to find you. <laughs> so I don't, maybe some consequences here to this illustration. Uh, if you're married, we have counselors that would love to come alongside of you and, and help. <laughs> oh man. You know, rejection stinks. It is hard. It's hard any time of year. It's especially hard during the holidays. And Jesus knows what it's like and he's able to empathize with us in our pain and he gives us the grace that we need when we need it. Sometimes it's through a passage of scripture. Sometimes it's through a a word that a friend speaks to us. Inspired by the Holy Spirit, sometimes it's just the the, the spirit inside of us that is reassuring us that it's gonna be okay. You may feel rejected, but God is with you. So Jesus empathizes with us in our pain. He's also an example for us to follow. When we feel rejected, Jesus is an example for us to follow. He gives us a blueprint for how to walk with God through pain and suffering. In those times, Jesus moved towards God in prayer. He he wrestled with his emotions and his feelings with God. He He didn't minimize them. He didn't ignore them. He didn't think that God wouldn't care. He took them to the Lord in prayer and he wrestled through them with him. We see when Jesus felt lonely, he leaned into scripture. When he felt abandoned, he loved his enemies and he prayed for them. Even stretched out on the cross, Jesus is praying, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Jesus, it's amazing, Jesus did not become jaded. He did not shut people out. His heart didn't become hardened. Instead, he continued to love and serve others. Maybe the greatest example that he left for us, though, is to be able to see through the pain to the promise on the other side. See, Jesus was able to see through the rejection, through the pain, through the suffering and humiliation of the cross. He was able to look through all of that to see the hope of the resurrection. And that's what gave him strength and courage to walk through it when we can look through and see that God is working all things out to the good of those who love him. And it doesn't make it any easier to walk through those times of pain and rejection, but it makes it better. It makes it better knowing that he is going to redeem it on the other side and do something for our good and the good of others through it. So if you're walking through a difficult season right now, I encourage you to follow the example of Jesus. Look for the resurrection on the other side of the rejection. Look for the new life that God is maybe planting in you during this season of difficulty. The Apostle Paul says that the same work and power that raised Jesus from the dead is at work within us, the power that can transform rejection into renewal. And I'll tell you, if I just kind of step back in my own life, I'll tell you how I see this happen most often. The times when I've walked through a difficult trial season, felt rejected, felt alone, difficult times, but but the times when I felt like they were most valuable, that everything was going to be okay, was when I, I watched as God took my pain, 
comforted me through others, through spirit, through the church, and then gave me an opportunity to come alongside of someone else who went through almost the exact same thing and comfort them. There's something so redeeming about that. When God takes a situation that we've been through, as hard as it may have been, and he uses it to help someone going through a very similar situation. Paul puts it like this in 2 Corinthians 1, 3 through 4. He says, all praise to the God and Father of our Master Jesus, the Messiah, Father of all mercy, God of all healing counsel. He comes alongside of us when we go through hard times, and before you know it, he brings us alongside someone else who is going through hard times so that we can be there for that person, just as God was there for us. When we take the empathy that we have received from the Lord and follow the example of Jesus by coming alongside of others, we get to experience God transform our pain into our ministry. And sometimes the resurrection life on the other side of rejection comes when we help others because of what they're going through and what we've been through. So if you've been through a difficult season, I just want to encourage you to pray. Pray for God to transform your pain into your ministry. Pray for the opportunity to come alongside of someone and help them take the comfort that is available through Christ. This morning, if you're experiencing rejection, take heart. You're not alone. I know it feels lonely. I know it feels lonely. But you're not alone. Jesus knows what it's like and he promises to come alongside of you and bring life on the other side of the pain, bring hope and healing. And here's the truth. You may be rejected by everyone else, but you are invited into a relationship with your heavenly father. You are invited into a relationship with God who will never leave you, who will never let you down, who will never abandon or reject you, no matter where you've been, no matter what you've done, no matter what's been done to you. God is faithful to you and he loves you. And he invites you to be a part of his family. Jesus, the rejected one, says, come to me. Come to me. He took all of our sin, all of our pain and bore it on the cross so that we can be free from it. And now through the power of the resurrection, we can receive new life and a fresh start. You have been invited into the family of God. You have been adopted into the family of God through Jesus. You can be called a son or a daughter of the king and know that you never walk alone. Why don't you stand with me and I'll pray. Jesus, thank you for the empathy and compassion that you have for us because you experienced everything that we experienced. Maybe not exactly, but you know the pain. You know the joys as well, but you know the hardships that we experience in this life. And thank you that you come alongside of us as we walk through them so that we do not walk alone. Lord, thank you for the comfort that we can receive. And I pray, Lord, that, that we will be able to see the the resurrection and the life on the other side of the rejection as we wait patiently on you, on restoration, as we take the comfort that we've received from you and others and extend it to those who are maybe walking through difficult seasons of their own. Thank you, Father, that you never leave us, you never abandon us. And with arms spread wide, you invite us to come to you 
pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for watching this message from Sherwood Oaks Christian Church. Did you know you can view any message from the past six years at socc.org slash messages? You can also view complete worship services from the past month at socc.tv.